All right, last week we were in Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17, and we spoke about reasons and seasons, and uh, we talked about uh, some different things last week uh, about God provides seasons of opportunity for each of us and how there's reasons that the gospel provides a reason for every problem and how every problem was because of the gospel. Uh, Paul got chased out of there often and uh, different things like that. But the problem wasn't the gospel. It was people didn't like hearing the gospel because the Jews wanted to uh, follow the law and all of those things. And then uh, how God allowed this problem to make Paul stronger and draw him closer to him and uh, that we need to seize opportunities that we get uh, to follow the Lord. And uh, we we talked about that Berean church, how they searched the scriptures daily. They were a ready church, a researching church, and a church with some resolve that just said, God said it, so we're going to do it. Uh, that's kind of what, what we were uh, dealing with last week. So now we're going to be in Acts chapter number 18. Uh, Acts chapter number 18. Tonight I'm going to start reading for you in verse number 1 um, and going down through some of this. Uh, but we're going to talk about... Uh, just some hindrances tonight. The title of the message is going to be Hindrances That Stop Christians from Serving the Lord. Some things that stop us from serving the Lord. And if we can identify those things, if we could uh, identify some of these things that we're going to see in this passage of Scripture uh, tonight, then it will help us not to be hindered in our work with God. There's some preventative things that we'll learn about here tonight, and we are going to try to go through these quickly. I'm really going to try to hasten tonight and uh, get us out of here in a timely manner, okay? Acts chapter 18, starting in verse number 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, uh, and wrought for their, uh, their occupation. They were tent makers. And, the reason, uh, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and Greeks. Again, remember we talked about as his manner was recently, how he, every place he went, what did he do? He went into the synagogues and he preached and uh, all of those things. And, so, and then in verse 5 it says, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Again, his pattern uh, what did he preach? He didn't preach his philosophy or his opinion. He preached Jesus. And uh, that was just uh, how Paul's manner was uh, in all of those things. And then in verse number 6, And when they opposed uh, themselves and blasphemed, um, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And, the, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night, by a vision, saying, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made an insur insurrection with one accord against Paul. 
and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Galileo uh, said unto the, unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wickedness or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Here in this passage, we have Paul now coming to Corinth, and he comes to a place where Aquila and Priscilla are there, and they have the same occupation. It said they were of the same craft. They were tent makers, and uh, Paul was a tent maker and different things like that, and they were uh, joined together because of an occupation and because of their love for the Lord and all of these things. And Paul now is preaching in the synagogues and uh, people begin to uh, not want to hear what he had to say. So he says, fine, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out here and I'm going to go to somebody that wants to hear what I have to say. And he goes to Justice's house and Justice and he preaches and all these things and people begin to get saved. And for a year and six months, they hear about the gospel because that's just what Paul did is he preached the gospel wherever he went. And after a year and six months, he preached, and then the Lord says to him, he says, Paul, don't be afraid to preach the truth. Don't be afraid to preach what's right. Don't be afraid to do this because I'm with you, and I have many people in this place. And then it seems like at this time, then problems begin to unfold again because anytime you do anything for God, Satan's going to try to fight. Satan's going to do what he can. And now here's what happens is the Jews now try to bring him before Galileo, this, uh, this judge here, this one, this ruler who's sitting here, this deputy of Achaia, and he brings him before the deputy and they said, listen, he's preaching something contrary to the law. And Galileo says, listen, this thing isn't worth you even bringing in front of me. I'm paraphrasing. He said, this isn't, he's not broke the law. He's not done anything wrong. He's preaching words and things like this. He said, you know what, get out of here. He basically ran them out. And you would think that here, Paul was just told by God that, hey, just preach. Don't worry about it. I'm with you. I'm going to be for you. Nobody's going to try to hurt you. And then all of a sudden they bring him before the deputy. You know what I believe Satan was trying to do was trying to make him doubt God's promise. He was trying to make him doubt what God had told him. But God promised him that he was going to be with him. And you know what God promises us? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. We ought never to fear. Why? Because the Lord is on our side. And he told Paul there, he said, listen, you just preach and do what you're supposed to do. And so Paul began to preach. And for that year and six months, he was teaching and preaching the word of God among them and all these things. And now they bring him before Galileo. And basically, Galileo says, listen, don't bother me with this. And he stands up for Paul. Paul was getting ready to speak out and say something, but Galileo interrupted. He said, listen, this isn't worth you even bringing in front of me. So God was protecting him. This deputy could have locked Paul up again. He could have put him in jail. But you know what? He said, listen, I got better things to do with my time. Get out of here. This isn't really anything that's worth uh, looking into. He said, and he drove them from the judgment seat. And as Paul was going through this, there's some things that I want to see that Paul was going through here that I believe can stop a lot of us from serving God the way that God wants us to serve him. There were some things I found. See, Paul now in a position where he's not used to what he's in now. 
Paul's used to going in there and preaching in the synagogue, preaching to the Jews and being stoned or being beaten or being imprisoned or being ran out of town. That's what he's used to. Everywhere he went, when he began to preach the gospel, he began to preach Jesus, it made people nervous, it made people mad, and what did they do? They would run him out, or they'd try to stone him, or they'd try to come after him, or he'd get imprisoned, or they'd try to beat him and try to threaten him to stop. Well, now the Lord tells him, listen, you just preach. Just preach. Paul's in a very comfortable position, isn't he? He's in a very comfortable spot right now because he's got permission now that God's saying, listen, you're going to preach and nobody's going to touch you. So I can just imagine Paul's already bold when people are trying to touch him. So imagine how Paul's going to be when people aren't allowed to touch him. When God says nobody's going to do it, he's going to be really bold, right? So he begins to preach and Satan begins to come up and try to make him doubt God. But Paul is in a very comfort spot in his life, this comfort zone. He's preaching, doing what he loves to do, and God's gave him his promise, nobody's going to be able to touch you. See, the difference is, though, about Paul is Paul's manner was to preach Jesus. But oftentimes, we can allow our comfort zones to stop us from going to the next level that God wants us to go to. See, here he's in this comfort zone. He's in a place now. He's even got the deputy on his side. The deputy saying, listen, I'm not going to imprison this man. He's not done anything wrong. Well, let's see what happens. Verse 17. Then all the Greeks took Sothens, the chief ruler of the synagogues, and, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Galileo cared for none of those things. And Paul, after this, tarried there. Yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren, and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow. Now hold on a second. Paul's in a comfort zone. He's now been told by God that as you're preaching here in Corinth, nobody's going to be able to touch you. You're not going to be uh, beaten. You're not going to be any of that. You're... You're able to preach and nobody's going to touch you. He's in a comfortable spot. But now God's leading him. It said he tarried there for a little while longer. And now God's leading him to leave this comfortable place. You know what most of us would have wanted to do? We would have said, "Uh uh-uh. I've been beaten everywhere else I went. I was stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. I've been imprisoned. I've been uh, lied about. I've been really hurt. I've been, I don't want to go anywhere. I'm comfortable in Corinth. But you know what? He didn't allow his comfort zone to keep him in that spot because that's not where God wanted him to be anymore. God was using him for the time that he was there, but God said, okay, it's time to... You know why I believe God did that? God didn't want him to get comfortable just in this state that he was in. God knew that he was going to use Paul in a mighty way. And Paul said, that's why he, I believe he said, for whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He's content with whatever God gave him, whether it was being comfortable at Corinth, whether it was being chased out of town, whether it was being stoned, whether it was being whatever, Paul was willing to endure hardness for the Lord. But there are some things that stop people. We allow our comfort to stop us from serving the Lord. Some people allow their comfort to stop them from submitting and obeying God and going to that next level for him. I know people that are very comfortable 
in certain things. And because of their comfort, they're not willing to get outside of that comfort zone to go where God is telling them to go or to do what God is telling them to do. And they just allow that comfort to hinder them from doing what God has told them. But there's another thing that we look at here. It said this, and now here he is uh, in verse 1 and 2. Look what it says. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found certain Jews named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudia had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And look what it says, verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought... For their occupation, they were tent makers. So wait a not just comfort of being in this place, but a career. You know what? He didn't just have a preaching time, a time that he could preach, but he had a career. He was a tent maker. You know what? I believe he was making money as a tent maker. Aquila and Priscilla, they're of the same craft. They have this. He's saying, you know what? I'm in Corinth. I'm comfortable. I get to preach. And guess what? I have a career. I have a career. I can work. I can make money. I can still preach to people. But oftentimes what happens is we allow our our career or our opportunity to get us away from God. By the way, our career should never take us away from God. If our career becomes more important than God, then our career has become our God. We can't allow that to happen. Our career, sometimes a career stops people or hinders people from serving God. I know some people that have chose to move just because of a career. And I ask them, I say, so, uh, where are you going to go to church? They say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go to church. Listen, if, if you don't have a church that you're going to, I don't believe God's going to move you to a place just for money and to, for a career unless, one, he's calling you to start a church or two, there's already one that you can attend close by. At least within driving distances. You're not going to have to drive for 12 hours to get to it. I know there's some people who live maybe an hour, two hours away from a church, and they just make a day of it, and I understand that. But the fact is, a lot of people allow their career to stop them from doing it. But not just a career. Look what it said. Now there was Aquila and Priscilla. And they were friends now because they had some things in common, didn't they? They had their craft, and they both had their faith. They had some things in common, brother guys. So there was comfort, there was a career, and there were some companions. Some companions that he had. Oftentimes we allow our companions to draw us away from God. There's so many times that people will say, hey, well, my friends are doing this, or my friends are doing that, or my companions are going here, my companions are going there. And we choose to follow our companions there when there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and we ought to be close to that companion more than we should our earthly companions. So we use careers, we use companions, we use our comfort. What about criticism? See, now, again, there were some critical spirits here that wanted to bring in before Galileo. And they're being critical of what Paul's doing. And see, these areas that I'm talking about are something that we all deal with. We all deal with this idea of, hey, our career, if I work this extra time, I can make this extra money. And I'm not against overtime. And I'm not against jobs. But what I am against is when they come before the Lord. Anything that we put before God becomes a God. And we have to be careful of those things. I'm not against companions. I think it's good to have friends. 
I think it's good to have close uh, companions. I love our church family. I think we're close. Uh, I, I love our church family. We are companions with one another. But you know what? When we become companions with the world or companions with other people that are trying to draw us away from God, guess what we ought to do? We ought to put on the brakes and say, whoa, hold on. Because there's some companions that pull us away from doing what we're supposed to do. They're hindrances in our Christian life. That comfort that we have, hey, you know what? Things aren't as hard here. It's a little easier. The grass looks greener over here. But I, you know what? I was told this one day that the greenest grass is usually over a septic tank. And the fact of the matter is we often think because the grass is green that everything must be good. But that's not always the case. And here he had the opportunity for career to make some cash, to make some money. You know what? That's another thing that hinders us, isn't it? Money. The cash. We'll do anything for that mighty dollar, won't we? But what about our mighty Savior? What about the Lord? Are we going to do something for him? You know what? We allow money to hinder us from doing what God wants us to do. Hindrances that stop Christians. Careers, comfort, companions, criticism, cash. Comfort will get in the way of our faith. See, faith sometimes is uncomfortable. You say, why? Because when you have faith, you know what faith equals? It equals complete dependence on God. If you're comfortable and everything's just smooth sailing and all this, you know what you have a tendency to do? You have a tendency to take your eyes off the one who's protecting you. I believe God's moving Paul out of this area because he had more work for Paul to do. I understand that. But he didn't want Paul to get comfortable and used to having things easy. Because things aren't always easy. Life is tough. Paul loved going into the synagogue. Those were the, his people, the Jews. God had called him to the Gentiles, but he loved his people. He loved all of that, and he loved going in. He, he had a heart for them, but God wanted him to reach the Gentiles as well. So he was doing all of those things, and Paul was very popular. He was very well known. But you know what? He did not allow his popularity to go to his head. You know what he used to say? He said, I'm the least of all the apostles. He said, but I labor more abundantly than them all. He said, I'm the least of any of them. I shouldn't be here doing what I'm doing, but I'm the least of them. See, he didn't allow the popularity. A lot of people knew who Paul was. They had heard about this guy. Everywhere he goes, man, he preaches the gospel and things get stirred up. But he didn't allow popularity, he didn't allow position, he didn't allow prestige in his life to stop him from doing it. And guess what? He even made a vow to God. He shaved his head and made a vow and said, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to leave and do what God wants me to do. And then he leaves and he goes to Ephesus. And we're not going to go any further in the chapter than where we are right now, but I just want to admonish us in these areas that we're looking at here to just do a self-examination inside of us. I kind of sped through these things a little bit tonight because I wanted to get through all of them like that. But I wonder, what is it that's hindering us in our service for God? Maybe, maybe we're serving where we are, but what's hindering us from going that next level for God? What is it that's hindering us from taking that next step into doing more for God than we've ever done? You say, well, I, you know, I'm, 
I'm getting older. Listen, you can still pray more than you've ever prayed. You can do more in, in, in any certain thing that God's putting on your heart. You can do more than you've ever done. And I wonder what's hindering us from doing it. Do we allow our careers to hinder us from serving God? Do we allow our companions to hinder us from serving God? Do we allow criticism to hinder us from serving God? Listen, if we stop preaching hard because of criticism, then I'd have stopped preaching hard a long time ago. Because people criticize when you open this King James Bible and you begin to preach. They criticize. You know what they say? Oh, you guys are too old-fashioned. You guys preach too hard. You guys ought to have more of a loving spirit. And listen, because we love folks, we preach the whole counsel of God, not just part of it. We, we preach the reproof, the rebuke, the exhortation, all of those things we preach. Guess what? God is love. But God is holy. God is righteous. God hates sin. And we ought to preach on sin. Sin has no place in God's people. But guess what? We're sinners. We're flesh. I understand that. But we ought to be walking daily in the word of God. We ought to be walking daily. Criticism. People will criticize Faith Baptist Church because guess what? We try to win people to Christ. We try to see their lives change. And you know what they say? Oh, you're brainwashing people. By the way, you know, when you get saved, you get in the word of God. Guess what happens? You do get brainwashed. You do. The Bible says this, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So our mind gets washed, doesn't it, from a fleshly way of thinking to a spiritual way of thinking. That's what brainwashing is. It's getting our mind clean, right? When the Bible tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the way, you get in this book, you're going to get a brainwash. It's going to clean you up the way you think. Why? Because you're going to start thinking like Jesus. We can't allow criticism to stop us from preaching the word of God. We can't allow criticism to stop us from going forward for the things of God. We can't allow careers and companions and comfort or even cash. We can't allow money to stop us. We've got to keep going on for God. We can't allow popularity and all this. I'm not going to have you turn for sake of time, but in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 and 5, talks about making a vow to God, how it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow unto, unto God and not to keep it. I wonder how many times we've made vows to God and we've told God we're going to do something, and then we go back on it and we don't do it. You know what? Paul shaved his head and said he shorn, he shorn his head and said, for he had a vow. You know, he said, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm making a vow to you that it doesn't matter if I'm comfortable. It doesn't matter if I have a career, if I'm making cash. It doesn't matter uh, about the companions that I had here the last year and six months. It doesn't matter for all of that. I'm going to serve you no matter where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do. He could have stayed in his comfort zone and not been in prison anymore. He could have stayed there and preached for 10, 15, 20 years and said, hey, life is good. I haven't had one rock thrown at me. That's great. But there's some hindrances that stop us. I wonder, are there any that's stopping you? There's one other thing that stops us. And this is in the area of salvation. 
I believe there's a lot of people that won't trust Christ because of cowardice. You say, what do you mean by being cowardice? We're too prideful in ourselves and too cowardice of what people think around us to submit ourselves to God. We, we care too much of what people think. And so we're like, well, if I get saved, if I trust Christ, I'm going to lose some companions. Guess what? You ought to lose companions if they have a problem with you being saved. If people have a problem with you trusting Christ, they're not the kind of companions you need anyway. It doesn't matter what they think. Let's get over this cowardice in our hearts and just say, listen, I'm going to have faith in God. Our, our theme this year is faith that moves mountains. We've got to get over this cowardice and this fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible said, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But what is it that's hindering you tonight? What's hindering you? And I understand this Wednesday night crowd. This is the faithful crowd. I get it. I understand. But we struggle. We struggle with it. We struggle with certain things in our life that hinder us from going to that next level for God. Those things that the Holy Spirit's been tugging at our heart, telling us, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. Do this for me. And we say, and we just won't take the step because we're afraid. We're worried about what's around us. Let me just encourage you tonight. Just trust the Lord. Just obey him. Don't allow these things to hinder you. Oh, it can be comfortable. You can have a good career. You can be making a lot of money. You have companions. There's going to be criticism. All those things. There's some cowardice in our life. Don't let those things stop you from serving the Lord. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, let me encourage you. Trust Jesus. He wants you to be saved tonight. You're here for a purpose. You know, the Bible says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us are going to spend uh, eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. There is no in between. And the only way you go to heaven, though, is through the blood of Jesus Christ and by faith in what he did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. And you trust Jesus as your Savior, that he was the payment for that sin, that he died for us. And if you'll trust in that, guess what? He said, you shall be saved you shall be saved listen if you're here tonight and you're not saved let me encourage you to trust him but if you are saved don't allow these things to hinder you from going to that next level for god i wonder has the holy spirit been tugging at anybody's heart saying this is what i want you to do but you've been struggling with it listen don't let these things hinder you just step out and do what god wants you to do with our heads bowed